0: Well, hello and welcome to today's podcast. I am Lucy Imanit Aliu. And with me here today is Ibrahim Tommy, the Executive Director for Center for Accountability and Rule of Law. Hello and welcome, Mr. Tommy.
1: Hello, thank you very much. I'm pleased to join you, Lucy.
0: So, in this podcast, we're talking about electoral justice. And, Mr. Tommy, your organization is doing a lot of work around electoral justice. And I've recently launched a program to monitor the delivery of justice in the 2020 election at So, what has made you develop interest in this area?
1: Oh, electoral justice is critical to promoting and consolidating democracy. As you know, election is just one of the pillars of democracy and electoral justice is really critical to ensuring that we resolve disputes in a speedy and satisfactory manner so that we can use lawful or appropriate means of resolving disputes rather than resorting to violence and i have been monitoring perhaps from a distance elections in this country for a very long time And I realized at some point that a critical component um, was being ignored or enough attention wasn't paid to it. And that is when disputes arise and there are bound to be complaints, there are bound to be disputes, there are bound to be disagreements. I mean, at different stages of the electoral process, how are those resolved? Are they resolved fairly? speedily and in a satisfactory manner and um, does everyone understand what are the mechanisms for resolving are uh, um, disputes so what electoral justice does is not just about creating um, a platform or an awareness about the legitimate mechanisms that exist for resolving conflict but it's also really essentially saying that when people decide to vote or to contest, what they need is justice, what they need is fairness. Their votes must count. Their votes must be counted and the results must be published in a way that reflects the collective will of the people. Anything that ass from that is injustice, and it's not just about the vote. It's actually about, as I've said, the various stages in the electoral process. You start from maybe even censors, limitation of boundaries, um, registration of voters, um, campaign calendar, voting day, processing, and declaration of results. There are so many stages in the electoral cycle and the idea is to make sure that at every stage of that cycle if somebody feels aggrieved, somebody has a complaint or feels um offended they must have credible mechanisms that they can resort to to resolve such complaints and that is why in this electoral cycle we have decided to focus a lot more on the, the relevance of electoral justice which as i said has been ignored for a very long time in the past elections.
0: Okay, so in this case, uh, monitoring of electoral justice is particularly important um, in the light of a low citizen's trust in security and justice sector institutions. And this year, Afrobarometer found that only 19% of citizens believe the police is doing a good job, and over half of the Australian population do not trust the justice system. So, are you worried that um, low trust in institutions will lead more and more people into taking the law into their hands, especially in the period of elections?
1: Um, obviously, it is concerning that you have um, that percentage of the population that do not believe in these institutions because these are critical institutions. Um. Um in terms of maintaining law and order and ensuring a fair resolution of disputes. Clearly, it is concerning, but that is why we do the job we do. That is why, as part of this work, we are going to be engaging um, members of the public um, through various platforms, um, media, in-person or community-level meetings, to perhaps help them understand that in spite of their fears, in spite of their Um, genuine concerns that they have about the um, professionalism or otherwise of these institutions, it is still possible to utilize these institutions and ensure that we have a peaceful lecture process. Which is why I have to recognize the support that we have received from the government of Ireland through Irish Aid here in Sierra Leone um, to really work on this project. Because as a matter of fact, we have done a whole report, a report that, Um, has done an assessment of the electoral justice ecosystem, basically the structures and opportunities for effective administration Mm -hmm. of electoral justice in Sierra Leone. And that report um, is quite useful in terms of identifying where the gaps are. So um, you talked about lack of um, confidence in justice and law enforcement institutions. I mean, that has been with us For a very, very long time, unfortunately. We have to acknowledge that I mean there is some progress, even if you may argue it is very slow and we need to do a lot more. And so what we're doing is to complement the efforts of these institutions, the police, the judiciary, to ensure that people really understand how these institutions work. But at the same time, remind the leaders and indeed the um officials in all of those institutions that it is important that they remain independent they remain professional and that they work in the interest of the country i'm sure when we do that but more than that citizens also have a role to play you don't you would never ever need a police officer you would have never needed a police officer if we would remain peaceful law-abiding as citizens it is because the every conflicts are bound to occur, people are bound to break the law, that's when we need law enforcement. And that is why, of course, as much as we need law enforcement to maintain law and order, we have always said that they must enforce the law within the confines of the law. It is when they go outside the confines of the law that it becomes a problem. So yes, I appreciate um, that there is a challenge with um, public perception um, in terms of how these institutions deliver on their mandates, but I have to say that our role is to help these institutions understand that they owe it to the people, but also for members of the public to um, work collaboratively with these institutions to deliver on our democratic promises.
0: Yeah. Okay, so perhaps a bit more complicated is the fact that um, Sri has introduced a district block PR system. Of election for 2020 and experts are already predicting inter-party tension and possibly violence during nomination of party list district candidates so do you foresee tension in developing party list
1: Uh, uh, naturally because as you are aware it's really I mean that is why we always tell people to understand what politics is about Um, governance is about service to the people and politics obviously provides that conduit um, for distributing the goods in the governance environment, as it were. So what you will have to see, and this is really important, I'm glad that we, we're discussing this, what you will see in the allocation of seeds or awarding symbols in this, it's not just the PR system, and I'm not going to blame the PR system for this, But just generally, when it comes to awarding symbols, you can see the tension, that's intra-party tension. People who belong to the same political party fighting each other, wrestling for positions, wrestling for symbols. And then obviously there's tension and sometimes um, dissension. And sometimes you see splinter groups sometimes some people just take the back seat so that is bound to occur but i expect them to manage to manage the process well in fact which is why i have proposed in the past that these political parties should have conducted lower level elections at constituency level at least to be able to determine obviously we still have regard to the um Jewy law that there must be at least a woman in every three names we get that but I still believe that we should have conducted lower level elections and divide the district. I know it's a district block, but they divided the district into the number of seats, right, that have been allocated to that district and ensure that elections are conducted. And those who emerge out of that process get to make it to the list. I mean, in that order, in the order of the number of votes pulled, and let's have a democratic process in determining those who get on the list but as it is now i don't know whether that's going to happen and which is why you are right that when party leaders ultimately decide to um develop that list and they are basically determining the positions that's bound to create tension but i don't think it's gonna lead to any breakdown in law and order but that is to be expected
0: okay all right so in your monitoring So far, have you seen any particular trend or do you believe in the capacity of courts to handle the tensions in the coming elections?
1: No, I believe that um, the courts will always be able to handle um, the issues that come before before them. No, we have very capable judges who are trained and experienced enough to deal with those issues. What we have repeatedly said is that the courts must ensure that they remain um, professional, independent, and doggedly loyal to the whole objective of the judiciary itself, the mandate of the judiciary to ensure access to justice. Now, when that is done, you should find no problem. However, and I think I have to make this point, that there is this continuing perception that um, the courts will never ever get it right that um, the courts will only um, act in one way or the other. I think it's also important that as citizens, we keep an open mind. And some of us who are opinion leaders, who understand how these institutions work, also have a responsibility of, I mean, raising awareness and deepening knowledge or understanding about these institutions so that we can help reduce this cloud of suspicion and perception of bias that has gone on for a very long time. Now, the reason, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying these institutions are perfect or they um, are above criticism. No, let's criticize them as we should do at all times, but where we see progress or where we can help them deliver on their mandate, we have a responsibility to do so. Otherwise, if we keep and um, disseminating a story of don't trust them. If they don't, if they don't trust the police, and if you can't trust the courts, why do you think you should come to those institutions when you fear that you've been wronged or when you are aggrieved? And instead of that, you may decide to resort to violence, which is why we are saying, let's have these institutions deliver, even as we continue to hold these institutions to account.
0: So finally, our data shows that majority of Sri believe traditional leaders and local courts to handle um, election cases. So what complementary rules do you see between the formal and informal justice systems in dispensing justice speedily and fairly in communities and in free
1: I mean, it depends on the nature of the dispute or complaint. Obviously, there are some complaints that can be handled at community level. In fact, that is why, as part of this project, we have um, talked about, and and I cannot stress enough, the need for alternative dispute resolution mechanisms. So if those um, community level courts or chiefs are viewed as really useful, uh, or trusted agents of resolving conflicts, that's good to know, and we have to find a way of utilizing them. So for example, there are certain disputes that really do not need to go to the court. There are those that obviously would need to go to the court. For example, if you're challenging the outcome of a presidential election or the outcome of a parliamentary election, um, it may be resolved really without the need for courts, provided that um, those who are mediating are trusted and the actors um, understand that these are issues that can also be resolved. But I would never ever tell anyone not to come to the courts. Come to the courts by all means, but there are also other ways of resolving electoral complaints without coming to the courts. I'll give you a quick example. For example, when um, registration had finished or the date stipulated by the electoral commission for voter registration had elapsed, people said they needed more time because there were still many people who had not registered. The ECSL could have said, no, we are not going to listen to you, do what you want to. In that case, some people might have gone to court um, seeking orders to compel the ECSL to extend the registration period. But no, the ECSL listened and extended the registration period. So that averted the need to go to court. So at the local level, we are starting the distribution of voter um, reg- registers, for example. If somebody... Pops up at a polling um, at, at, at an ECSL voter ID card a distribution center and doesn't get his or her ID card, that's not the reason to start a war. You may contact your local chief if you really trust your local chief to intercede on your behalf. That local chief may now contact ACSL and that can be resolved. So when we talk about resolving disputes, there are different kinds of disputes. And it really depends on what and and the extent to which these local actors, chiefs in this case are willing to help their community members. It's really about access. The reason people are saying that is simple. It's about access, it's about language, it's about understanding of the process. Maybe trust? Yeah, of course. It. That's what it does. Access breeds trust. That is it. You wake up in the morning, you have a complaint, you walk straight to the chief's compound, you um, you know, institute an action before that chief this other person is summoned, the matter is had, justice is delivered, all within 24 hours. You have to trust that. And somehow they have a better way of enforcing the decisions of this court. So you see, but that's completely different from the formal system, where sometimes you come to court, it takes years before justice is delivered. And by the time justice is delivered, enforcement becomes a challenge. So that is part of the reason um, why, you, why we have this sort of trust or perception gap um, between citizens and some of these public institutions. But that is really good to know. And we are, as part of this project, looking at, look, um, looking at ways of ensuring that we're using other mechanisms to resolve complaints, whether than the police and perhaps the courts.
0: That has been Abraham Tomei here with me today in the studio, the executive director for Center for Accountability and Rule of Law. I have been Lucy Imanez Aliu today and not Emanuela Sandi. Till next time, do well to follow our podcast and make sure you share, like, and leave a nice comment.